It's the Rich Keefe Show on WEEI. WEEI. Watch us, love us. Just follow WEEI on Twitch. Fourth and final hour of the Rich Keefe Show here on WEEI. You guys can join us at 617-779-7937. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Rich Keefe Show. You can also watch the program every night on Twitch. Just go to twitch.tv slash Boston WEEI. You get all the shows from uh, 6 a.m. all the way up until 10 p.m. We have Grab Bag coming up at 920. But the most recent episodes of The Dynasty came out last night. In fact, 24 hours ago on uh, Apple TV Plus. Episodes 5 and 6. They were both a little bit shorter, like 35 minutes maybe. For both of these, well, how much can you really milk out of Matt Castle? <laughs> well, you could, you could not. It didn't have to be all of the 2008 season, basically, for a whole episode. Like it's, it's odd how they've done it. I think there's plenty of nitpicks. Overall, I think like it's, it's worth watching for as a Patriots fan. I don't know how you could really sell this to non-Patriot fans. I'm not sure they'd be really enjoying it. Uh, but, yeah, so it was a lot of Matt Castle. It was a lot of Brady going down. I did think the most interesting thing from the first episode, um, episode five overall, was when Brady got hurt week one against the Chiefs and he was in so much pain, but then he didn't completely rule out the season right away. He was like, I think if I could tape this up, I can go. And he went out and practiced. And, and we we knew he was a gamer and he would do anything yeah, to get yeah. on the field, but literally to like rip up your knee and then head yep. onto the field and try and play, like that's crazy. And then Randy Moss being like, Wait, is he gonna go? Are we gonna are we gonna get him? And no. Hey, is he actually coming back to play? He is not. He was then he was done. He was out of sight, out of mind. And then next thing you know, he was trying to get back too quick and had the infection. And I remember covering that and, and reading that whole story about he's got an infection and now he's got he's to overcome that before he's ready to go. Also pretty humorous was in 09 when he did come back uh, and he was missing throws all over the place and they have that he's mic'd up and Belichick's like, relax. And he's like, well, what are you talking about? I was, like, I was getting hit. Step he, into the throw. He's like, well, what about the one to Maroney? Oh, that one. Hit him in the hands. He's like, it went over his head. Oh, yeah, that one? Great line. And then the other one, he's like, uh, was it the Falk or somebody else? He's like, well, I I, I put it right on. I was like, no you, no, you didn't. Just relax. Take a breath. And then that season obviously did not go their way. They still made the playoffs, but it was not a, not a very good team. So it's kind of a downer. And, you know, it's 08. All, you know, what could have been. After falling just one game short of the perfect season, and you know they went eleven and five, and yet missed the playoffs, and that's one of those seasons where can be debated on both sides. It's really is kind of split down the middle. Is going eleven and five in two thousand eight a good season or a bad season? And you know, at the time, they even kind of highlighted this, and you had like the stories being like Brady's a system quarterback because everybody was like falling all over themselves. They're like he won, he won eleven games with Matt Castle, and the thing that they would say every single time with Castle, he hasn't started a game since high school. It's like okay, they were also sixteen and zero the year before, and then they went eleven and five, including winning their final four games. I think the schedule kind of lightened up a little bit. They were seven and five. They finished eleven and five. Still not good enough to make the playoffs. Yeah, it's funny. That was like the first yeah. set of conversations of the Brady versus Belichick. Like who did it better? And the needle was going towards Belichick because he 
literally, as you saw in the documentary, he he uh, turned the offensive game plan so far on its head. Like he gave Matt Castle yeah, more of an ability to yep. run. Yep. Which that was my favorite line. Castle, he said, like Tom Brady's the greatest, but I am so much better than him at running. Yeah, he could do that. He, he absolutely uh, he could. But it's funny because uh, yeah. So now we are what eight years or yeah, nine seasons, I guess, for Belichick in. And even though Brady's won the three Super Bowls, it's still it was Bill's decision to stick with Brady, and then it was winning eleven games somehow, some way with Castle. Yeah, Although and all I, the roster decisions, you know, cutting yeah, Mal- Malloy, well, bringing Harrison, et cetera, et cetera. Which they didn't even highlight the lawyer Malloy cut, which was one of the biggest things. I still think like of the dynasty. Like I think that'd be like a top ten thing. That sort of that sort of set the the precedent that. Any player on the team could get cut or traded at any time. Lloyd Malloy started that, and they kind of they didn't even mention it in the documentary. So that that was a miss. Uh, but Spygate was all right. That's sort of like the first like uh oh for for Bill. Like that's that's uh, a black mark on Bill's resume. And then he just it comes across bad in the documentary in my mind because he won't talk about it. And then he got his buddy Ernie Adams who's going to go to the grave with that. And like so, both of them make it look a little bit. Worse in in my eyes, uh, but then we get Brady back, and they're not very good in 09. And then episode six is pretty much about Aaron Hernandez, and I, th- I thought this was a pretty good episode overall. I thought guys like Wes Welker and Brandon Lloyd and Dion Branch talking about their relationships. Yeah, with I will Hernandez. say De- Dion starting off that episode with some of those words was like, man, that hits you right in the gut. Well, because Dion was. It kind of feels like his only friend. It feels like he had, you know, different kind of relationship with everybody on the on the roster. And there were guys like Wes Welker, who I don't think was a big fan and was sort of warning Brandon Lloyd about what he's like. Other guys maybe just kind of left him alone. And then Dion Branch seems to be a friend. He said he, he lived right across the street. Uh, Hernandez's fiance would watch Dion's kids and, and things like that. So he was obviously broken up about how it all played out. But there was some interesting footage in there. There was the rookie symposium where Chris Carter is talking to the guys about how, like, you got to make smart choices or you're going to be out of the league. And I know Chris Carter became really famous for the uh, you got to have a fall guy in the group. Like, he came really. But what he said in this documentary, uh, or at least in that moment, I thought was was pretty good. Yeah, that was crazy timing. Yeah. Crazy how And then Aaron he was Hernandez asked yeah, a he question. Was, he stood up he was and asked literally a question. Yeah, yeah, he was literally uh Chris Carter that was was literally almost like detailing what Aaron Hernandez yep. was going to become. Yep. And was basically like looking in his eyes. It was almost like the camera work, which is I give credit to uh Hamachek, was like he was talking directly to Aaron Hernandez. Yeah, and it's just crazy too that Hernandez and he's sitting there next to Gronk and like all these other rookies, and he even stands up and asks a question. And it's like, man, was it in the back of his mind? Did he know kind of where this thing was headed? And was he like trying to see a way out, or was he just doing, or was he just trying to fool everybody? Which also could be the reality. He fooled Robert Kraft, and by asking a question and doing that, like there's going to be people in that well, room. Remember, he didn't use over. "fooled" as the word. No, he got snookered. But I'm saying, like, with with Carter and just being in there and be like, see, I'm paying attention. I even asked a question. I don't know. Could have been all just part of a big uh, ploy. But another thing that I didn't really like how it was 
presented was the idea of Aaron Hernandez asking for a trade. And if Bill Belichick did that, then all things would have been fine. Everything would have been fine. Hernandez would have been fine. Everybody, nobody else would have been affected by it. Uh, here's part of that. Here's uh, Bob Holler from The Globe talk, and, and Belichick as well. His paranoia is increasing. His drug use is increasing. He asked to meet with Bill Belichick. Aaron told him that his girlfriend and his daughter's safety was in jeopardy. Belichick asked Hernandez if he wanted help from the security department of the Patriots, and Hernandez said, no, thank you. Instead, he asked Bill Belichick to trade him to a team on the West Coast so he'd get away from New England, just get away. But Belichick said no to Aaron Hernandez. At the 2013 Combine, Aaron Hernandez asked to be traded to a West Coast team, saying that he feared for his family's lives. What did you do with that information? Yeah, it's an unfortunate situation about Aaron, and I don't have anything to add to it. Bill Belichick has never fully explained why he didn't trade Aaron Hernandez, but it was probably because the team had just invested all this money in him because he was still a great player. This embodies what we call Football Inc., which is a cold corporate enterprise that just wants to win. And in this case, a young man ends up dead. I mean, that to me is just reckless. But like, if they traded Aaron Hernandez, then uh, everything's fine. Aaron Hernandez would be fine. Odin Lloyd would still be alive. And it's because Bill denied his trade. Like, wait, what? So now Bill. Like, why didn't you trade him? How come you didn't trade him? You asked him yeah, to trade him. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like the narrative That's entirely. rough. I hate the narrative. Like, it's one thing to look at this docuseries and sort of have it shape against Bill Belichick. You can't do that with this particular situation. No, this is not, like, football or, oh, were you taping signals or were you taking air out of a football? Like, this is... This is literally life and death. Yeah, I will say, this is like a big reality check to understand that, like, football is all about winning. Like, it's one it's oh, one yeah, thing It's one thing to keep giving someone like Josh Gordon chance after chance after chance if it meant winning, but this took it to, like, a whole new level. But I also think, you know, players probably, and ones we don't even hear about, will go up to their coach or GM and ask for a trade for a variety of reasons, right? And it doesn't mean it's going to happen right away. Also, you know, if you called Seattle, for example, they even mentioned Seattle in the thing, but if they called Seattle and were like, hey, you guys want Aaron Hernandez? And they'd be like, wait, why are you trading him? What's up with that? Like he fell to the fourth round for a reason. And then the Patriots played, he played for a couple of years that he signed a, a big extension. And then they called and they're like, do you want to trade him? When the when a like a a light go off if you're San Francisco or Seattle or L.A. or one of these teams like wait, why are you getting rid of them now? It's like we want them to go to a place where there is no issues because every like the West Coast cities apparently are are just Patriots fine. literally went through this with Jack Jones this past season. Yeah, like he wouldn't have found trouble somewhere else. I feel like unfortunately Aaron Hernandez was certainly going down was down a path, and yeah, it probably escalated knowing the guys that he knew up here. But he's just gonna sit in his room when he goes to Seattle, like, and it was just too much. Like, if you wanted, I think saying that Hernandez asked for a trade, if that that's a part of the story, include that. But like, really laying it at the feet of Bill, being like, "Man, what could have been?" Like, that's not a fun what if. Like, a fun what if is like, "Oh, what if you know 
the Patriots drafted uh, Des Bryant instead of De- Devin McCourty. Not what this one. And and then ins- insinuating that Bill would have saved at least one life. Well, I don't think it's fun, like, those what-ifs about shaping it on anyone because Aaron Hernandez, like, point blank, he did this to himself. There's no one to blame oh, it's, it's but on him. himself. It's just annoying to see Bill Belichick continue to take shot after shot. Like, yeah. it's one thing to take shots on the Brady versus Bledsoe or being too much of a hard or, as you said, basically, or what we saw in the episode, basically treating the Patriots like it's a military base. You it, can't do that with this scenario. It's also... You can do uh, it with everything else, but except yeah, this. No, this one, this one's... Uh, you can't. I agree. But I also think it's too bad. Now, I don't know exactly what I... I I'm not saying I want Bill to say anything specifically, but I would have at, like, at least like 10 years later. This happened 10, 11, going on 11 years ago, which is crazy. But in this setting, like, could Bill have giving you a little bit more you think no it's an unfortunate situation and i'm not going to comment on it it's like i don't know like robert Kraft is like pouring his guts out being like man i i took the cheese on yeah, this and guy that's, that's where the criticism should come in is because is yeah. because he's not as open as he should be in this kind of documentary yeah i would like to see a little bit more out of bill but i also don't think he you need to go double barrel at at bill and like put all the blame on him i don't think that is i I didn't enjoy that part of uh, episode six. Uh, what did you guys think? 617-779-7937 is the number to jump aboard. Uh, the 08-09 season into Aaron Hernandez. Kind of a rough, rough time for uh, Patriots fans. All within this mega dynasty. This 20-year dynasty did have certainly some uh, dark stuff off the field. The darkest, but on the field as well. Uh, you guys can join us. And uh, also we have Grab Bag coming your way next but right now here is joe with what's trending your home of the socks now here's what's trending on weei celtics and mavericks currently taking on each other at td garden 122 left in the third quarter 95 to 84 celtics on top keith there is hope jason tatum has 22 points let's go along with Kristaps porzingis he has 22 jalen brown has 20 points. Luka Doncic continues to lead all scorers. He's got 28 points, 10 rebounds, and needs one more assist for a triple-double. Yes, that guy is an MVP candidate. The Patriots officially released cornerback J.C. Jackson. That adds an additional $14 million in cap space, which brings the grand total to over $100 million in cap space for the Patriots. Red Sox fell to the Twins in spring training this afternoon, 5-3 your final score. Lucas Giolito got his first start with the Sox and did not pitch well. Four earned runs he gave up. He also walked three over two in a thirds innings. Roman Gonzalez did hit a home run in this game. That's the lone bright spot the Sox had. Sox will have two games for the price of one tomorrow. One squad will be on the road. They'll play the Rays. Well, you can hear Hall of Famer Joe Castiglione and Will Fleming call the Sox host the Washington Nationals from JetBlue Park at 105 right here on 93.7 WEEI-FM. Some other Red Sox news. The team has signed first baseman and designated hitter CJ Crone to a minor league contract. Crone was an all-star with the Rockies in 2022. He spent time in Colorado and with the Angels last season. And the Bruins will be back on the ice tomorrow against the Islanders. They'll be on the road for that one. In doing so, the team has recalled Mark McLaughlin on an emergency basis for the upcoming road trip. I'm Joe Braverman, and that's what's trending on WEI and WEI.com.
back here on the Rich Keep Show, WEEI, on this Full Throttle Friday. If you miss any of the program, check out the podcast, The Rich Keep Show, on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of podcasts, you can also check out Hashtag Dork. Two episodes a week now, uh, Monday morning, Tuesday morning. We record them live on Sunday nights at 8.45 on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com slash dorkpodcast. And you can subscribe there, get all the nonsense from me and Davey talking TV, movies, video games, you name it. But 920-ish, that means, of course... It's time for Grab Bag! It's time for Grab Bag! That's right, we get to all the stories we didn't have a chance to in the first three-plus hours of the program. And let's start with the Boston Celtics, who are now through three-quarters over at the Garden. They have a 102-90 lead over the Mavericks. Jason Tatum, 16 points in the third quarter. He now has 27. That is a team high. Porzingis has 24, and Brown has 20. So all three of those guys who average 20 points per game on the season are all at 20 or more after three quarters where they lead by a dozen. So and not Tatum, to mention you yeah. had Drew Holiday during my first update after the first quarter, I think, had 11, and he hasn't scored since. So they, they're literally giving him roles like, we need you to score, yep. then we need you to play defense. Like, they're so versatile. They are. Seven assists, too, for Holiday. Seven assists for Derek White, who has eight points. Celtics is a team of 24 assists on 38 buckets. They've already made 16 threes. They're 16 of 34 from three, so... Anytime they shoot 47% from three. And you know what? I, I got to say, win. like, I wasn't convinced, but I think tonight did it for me. Luka Doncic is pretty good. He's the man. Luka's nasty. He's at He has 28 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists with a quarter left to play. And he has to put up with Kyrie Irving. So, I, mean, I mean, that's at, and before the season, Grant Williams. For most of the season, Grant, Grant Williams. Williams. Yeah, right. These guys in the Celtics knew what that was like. It just seems like Luka, they can never find the right pieces around him. No, they can't, and you wonder if he's going to be a guy that at some point wants out of there, or is he just like, hey, I'm comfortable here and you know, keep trying somebody new, but it hasn't worked I think at this he's, point. He's probably the second hardest guy to build around because you know the strategy. He's basically like a LeBron James type where you just have to give him the ball and you just need guys standing on the perimeter to let them shoot. They just need to find shooters. Yeah, get a couple guys that can knock down some shots. Maybe like he would actually fit pretty well with like Carl Anthony Towns. You know, like a big guy but that can also shoot threes, so you can move them all over the place. But yeah, Dallas isn't going anywhere this year. But Luca will be first team All NBA again, and he'll probably finish th- second or third in the MVP vote. Would be my guess. It's time for grab bag. Red Sox Grapefruit League action continued this afternoon where uh, Lucas Giolito made his Sox debut. Not great. Although Not great. I, no, it wasn't. Thank you, Alex. I did see Merloni retweet somebody saying that his velocity was up. So maybe you want to hang your hat on that. Maybe we'll, maybe it'll be a good Giolito. I'm not writing anybody off after one spring start. However, I would, didn't love the signing to begin with. I don't think he's a very good pitcher, and in his uh, first outing, he went two and a third, allowed four runs on two hits, including a home run. He walked three and had one strikeout. Uh, Jaron Duran was in the lineup today, as was Rafaela, Abreu, Dahlbeck, Reyes, but didn't do much. They lost to the Twins 5-3. 
They are now four and three in the spring. And here comes the grab bag. Grab, grab bag, 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 grab, grab bag. Tristan Casas was on the Greg Hill Show this morning. Of course, the morning show was down in uh, Florida for a few days. Had caught up with a whole bunch of people. You can check out the Odyssey app for Alex Cora, Craig Breslow, Nick Pavetta, amongst others. Today, Tristan Casas, and uh, sounds like he certainly is a fan of one Alex Cora. Tristan, so you said earlier about the, you have the great team, great manager, great coaches. So Cora's in the final year of his deal. Uh, what would you think, as a member of the Red Sox, playing for a different manager than Alex Cora next season. I can't imagine it just because I haven't haven't done it. Um, he he's the backbone of the organization. I think he's such such a great example for everybody in and out in and outside of the clubhouse. I think inside of there he's he's always really active. Um, he's displaying exactly what he preaches. He never expects results. He's always about um, all the things that I've been treating uh, uh, preaching right now attitude effort energy um those are all very controllable things and and he doesn't he doesn't ask too much of us and he's always honest he's always honest he shoots me straight which is exactly what i want from my manager i don't want him to sugarcoat anything i don't want him to hide um behind any doors he he's very upfront with with what he likes and what he doesn't and and that's who i want at the helm um when things are going bad he's always super level-headed and i think he's just the right right guy for the job so there you go. I mean, that is a uh, big praise because, like, you know, there's the like the political answer, but that's more. That's so much more than that, right? You can just be like, he's your manager now. He's the only manager you've ever had. You can say a couple of nice things and move on. But like that is, he is a huge fan of Alex Cora, and I don't think it's if. I think it's when Alex Cora is no longer the manager of the Red Sox. You know, does he make it through the entire year? Does he get canned after the trade deadline? Like I. It's hard to envision a future with Alex Cora here, and they're all pros. They'll eventually get over it. But I think Tristan Costas probably speaks for a lot of guys that that is gonna that is gonna be tough to overcome. That is gonna be a, a shock to the system when uh, when he ends up moving on. And you know, I don't know. If, I don't think the Red Sox are gonna take that into account because. I'm not even sure if Alex Cora wants to be back. If they don't listen to the fans, how, why would they listen to their players? <laughs> yeah. No, that we know they don't listen to the players. Last year, Kenley Jansen told anybody who would listen, let's let's add at the deadline, add at the deadline. They're like, we're not going to do that. So, yeah, they're not going to listen to the players. Raphael Devers was saying, hey, we, we need what we need. They're not I think right. Cora's going to turn into a sympathetic figure this year. He definitely could. Yeah, he definitely could. Because I think everybody's getting so mad at John Henry. Breslow's kind of caught in between. He'll end up getting more blame than Cora even though I don't think he's really allowed to spend much, but he'll still get more blame than Cora. So, yeah, for sure. Grab bag. Uh, Bruins off tonight. They won last night. They beat Bruce Cassidy. They had a 3-0 lead. Then the next thing you know, it was 4-4 in the third period, but they did get the win in regulation. So it was their first regulation win in like 10 games. It was the first time they didn't even go to overtime in, in uh, they had six straight games where they went to overtime or losing those things left and right, but they were picking up points each time. I don't, I don't know though. Last night did not give me as a Bruins fan much more confidence. No, the fact that no, they, they had a first period lead again. And it wasn't like one zip. It was three, nothing. You had Morgan geeky, get a hat trick in the second period. Congrats to geeky. Yep. You had a, you had a hat trick and uh, they got the win. But it's like, all right, here we go again. 
Because I'm less concerned with losing in a shootout. You're not going to see a shootout in the playoffs. So whatever, you're not going to shoot. It's like last year with the Celtics in the third quarter. (laughs) Well, they were going to see third quarters. So it's a little. I just mean like they're not going to have to play a three on three overtime period. They're not going to have to go to a shootout where their guys just aren't very good at it. But they are potentially going to have a lead, and they have to play with the lead, try to add to the lead rather than blowing all these leads. So yeah, that part's annoying. Grab bag. The Minnesota Vikings have released running back Alexander Madison, so that kind of adds to the long list of running backs who are available via free agency. And guess what? None of them are probably going to cost much. There's a whole bunch of guys out there. Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler. You have all these guys sort of at the at the top. Josh Jacobs. He just led the league in rushing a couple years ago. They're all available. And then you have another tier down, like Ezekiel Elliott's back on that list, Alexander Madison, and a few others. So uh, definitely an area that the the Patriots should consider, and they're not going to have to break the bank. And uh, they have a lot of money to spend. They have $100 million, give or take, in cap space. So adding one of those top running backs I do not think would be a mistake. Come on. Grab bag. NFL Combine, uh, literally off and running. And uh, we've had a few positions run the 40 so far. Started yesterday, got it today. Uh, Tomorrow, quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs. So that should be another really fast group. Today, you had the defensive backs. And how about Nate Wiggins? Not sure if there's a relation there to Jermaine or not, but Nate Wiggins, the Clemson corner, who I think is probably going to be a first-round pick anyway, currently with the fastest 40 time, 4.28. That is humming. So Nate Wiggins, 4.2840. Let's see. It's not the record, though. Let's just point that out. It's not the record. Does Chris Johnson still have the record or somebody break down? No, I think it was uh, John Ross. John Ross. That got him uh, to be a top 10 pick, and that was a mistake. Yeah, Nate Wiggins, 6'1", 173, nine-inch hands. Although, as a corner, I don't think they really care quite as much about the hands. But, yeah, 4.2840, 36-inch vertical. Okay, here's the John Ross had a 4.22. That was the fastest. Okay. But still, that's pretty close. I think Chris Johnson, the running back, was like 4.24, I want to say. I think he had the record maybe until John Ross got it. But anyway, you always get a few crazy ones. But four two eight, that's going to be one of the better ones. Of okay, the whole John, John Ross four two two. Yep, and then it's Kalen Barnes four two three. He did that a year ago oh. or two years ago. Okay, Chris Johnson is third at a four two four. Yeah, see, I don't know why I remember that four two four. There's really no reason for me to have that memorized, but yet here we are. You know uh, who's tied for ninth? Tyquan Thornton. Tyquan Thornton. Four two eight. <laughs> Tiny wrist, but the guy could he could see. Oh, so he ran a four two eight as well. The same thing that Wiggins ran today. So yeah, we'll see tomorrow with the running back or the wideouts more so. If anybody can touch that, he had a handful of four threes. Uh, the linebacker, what's his name? Peyton Wilson, the linebacker from NC State, who also could be like a first or a second round pick. He ran a four four three as a linebacker. It's insane. Some of these. Some of these numbers are crazy. The, there's a tight end from Washington that ran a four four seven. I don't know. I care about this stuff probably more than uh, than I should. You have been defeated by the grab bag. 
All right, I'm very excited for this uh, hashtag dork-related news as uh, Dune Part 2 is in theaters right now. Of course, the sequel to uh, Dune, which came out in the end of 2021, which was fantastic. And Dune Part 2 currently on Roddy T's 94% by the critic and 95% by the audience, which I'm surprised that 6% of people didn't care for this. So I'm super excited for this. The cast it's probably the people who voted a hundred on on Dune Part One. Yeah, well, I also I use Rotten Tomatoes, even though I think it's overall kind of crap, because all they do it's not like it's got a 95 out of 100 score. What it is is they just ask everybody basically like thumbs up, thumbs down, like old Siskel and Ebert style. And if you give it like a yes, it could be barely yeah, it could be like just over. You might think it's like a six or a seven out of ten, but it's it's like it's, yeah, it's, go yeah, go see it. By that metric, there should be way more movies that are a hundred percent or zero percent. Like if it's just yes or no, that's all. It, yeah, like, there's no in between. Like every time you leave a movie, if somebody's like yes or no, not uh, you know eight eight point seven out of ten. No, 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 just yes or no. So like apparently six percent of critics saw Dune two and were like, no, that's just not for me. Not enough violence. Well, it's crazy. Like you look at every single movie. Like there's no movie. There's really no movies that have a significant number of reviews that are at 100. percent And you just love to track down those people and be like, so you're not a fan of the Godfather? Like what about the Godfather? Did you not? Oh yeah, you didn't have uh, Shawshank Redemption as a thumbs up. Like okay, all right, maybe maybe you shouldn't be reviewing movies anymore. Swing. There's a line drive left center field, deep back by the wall, and it is grab bag. Uh, TV show recommendation. I've mentioned it a couple of times this week. That would be Shogun on FX and then on Hulu the next day. Excellent, excellent, excellent. It is uh, Samurais. It is a historical drama. This is based off of uh, what really happened. And it kind of has like a Game of Thrones vibe. So I would suggest getting it on the ground floor. This is going to be the, this is going to be one of the, like these epics. And so far, so good. Like, it looks good. The acting's good. Now, about half the show is in Japanese. So, it's if you're into subtitles, I don't mind subtitles. Especially having little kids. I feel like sometimes when they're taking a snooze, I have the subtitles on anyway, even for like an English show. So, I'm kind of used to the subtitles now. But I know some people don't like it. So, just as a heads up, there are subtitles in this show. But, uh Braverman, are you watching any shows on the regular right now? Uh, I'm not really a TV show binge okay. watcher. Right. I will say the most recent little miniseries that I uh, just binged yes. was uh, the TED TV series. Which was hilarious. I love it. I love the movies. Yeah. And I was so excited when I saw the teaser for a, a TV show. Yeah. Love it. T- Absolutely love it. I hope it gets more. I agree. I couldn't believe how good the TV show was. Uh, Davey and I did an episode on that, too. You, got, you check that out in the archives. Uh, Ted's season one was had to be like the sleeper of the year because I would say I like the movies. Well, I liked the first one. The second one was like wasn't as good. The show I thought was even better. Like It was it was laugh out loud funny every single episode. Grab bag. We've been talking about Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, from time to time on the show because he's got himself right back in the WWE. He also, I think, has some sort of ownership stake or something in it now as well. Um, But he may or may not be in the main event at WrestleMania. That seems to be up in the air. However, it came out today 
that The Rock has secured ownership rights for several names and catchphrases. So you remember when Brady like tried to trademark a couple of things? I believe one of them was Tom Terrific, and they're like, that's not even your freaking nickname. So listen to all these things that The Rock, now it's 2024. I don't know why he's doing this now, but these are the names and catchphrases that The Rock has secured ownership rights for. The Rock, Team Corporate. I feel like you can't. I feel like you can't catchphrase Team Corporate. Now it doesn't roll off the no. tongue. Rock Nation. I like that one. Isn't there already a Rock Nation? Like well, it's ROC? got different spelling. Yeah. Okay. Rudy Pooh. Rudy Pooh is probably good. Candy Ass. He's trademarked. I'm surprised he didn't have that already. Same. Uh, Jabroni. Again, same thing. These are all rock. This is everybody associates these with the rock, but he never owned them until today. If you smell what the rock is cooking, got it? How are these out there? I don't like, know. He should have had these like 20 years ago. Somebody needed to pounce on these. The Samoan sensation feels unnecessary. The blue chipper, the people's champion, the great one. Know your role and shut your mouth. The Rock, just bring it. The People's Elbow, Rock Bottom. So he's just going with his two of his moves. Surprised he so he's have... just going to his move set yeah. and all his catchphrases yeah. for all of these. Correct. Surprised he doesn't have Spine Buster in there. But this is, again, ownership for uh, names and catchphrases that The Rock uh, got ownership of. Uh, finally, The Rock has come back. Although I feel like without the end of that, it's kind of worthless. Far so does that mean if back, someone goes to the rock? Yeah, like can they end it however they want and they'll stay out of legal trouble? Yeah, that <laughs> one's that one. I don't think is really helping you much. Uh, it doesn't matter what, which is kind of uh, a good one, I suppose. Well, I again, that's like his trademark catch for. I don't know which one is like the yeah. absolute one you think of, but that uh, one definitely. Yeah, for sure. exactly. Rock apocalypse. Don't remember him ever saying that. Project Rock and the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. Or sports and entertainment, excuse me. Although you could just call it sports entertainment. It's funny that he had time to do all of this um, because he actually called our show this week. Well, finally, The Rock is back on WEEI. So what do you think about that, guys? Let's go. I'm excited. Oh, I'm that looking forward to it. doesn't matter what you uh, think. So walk so right into that. shut your pie hole, <laughs> you jabroni, or the SmackDown yep. will be on your candy ass. Yep. We'll stop it there. He went for like two more minutes, but it's, uh, yeah, so The Rock now calls our show. It's I'm sad. going to show you how many catchphrases <laughs> I know. He could have just, just read this whole list. He tried to work uh, the Samoan sensation and uh, Rockpocalypse in the conversation, but... Anyway, there you go. That'll do it for another uh, successful edition of the Grab Bag. Uh, Of course, next week we have all full shows. Pretty soon the Red Sox are going to start to take over. So we're going to make the most of it while we can. But uh, full shows for most of the month of March. And every night around this time we like to... What the hell are you? I'm Grab Bag. All right, we will uh, wrap up the show with our final thoughts coming up next.
back here on the Rich Keefe Show, WEEI, this full throttle Friday, and we got our eyes on the Celtics as they are now blowing out the Dallas Mavericks. I don't think you need to have eyes on them now because it's pretty much over. Good point. Yeah, this thing is in the bag. It's going to be 10 straight wins for the Celtics when this thing goes final. They're under three minutes to play. Jason Tatum, 32 points, eight rebounds. Jalen Brown, 25 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. Chris Stapps, Porzingis, 24 points. Most of that came in the first half. Uh, Derek White, Al Horford, Drew Holiday, all in double figures as well. Uh, Luka Doncic, doing what he can. 37 points, 12 rebounds, 11 assists in uh, what will be a losing effort as the Seas are up 131-106. to 106. So Celtics are uh, dominating. They may never lose again. No, but they play Sunday against Golden State, and then they go on the road. So they have two long road trips still remaining on the year, including at Cleveland, at Denver, at Phoenix, uh, and then Portland, who stinks, in, in Utah. But uh, at Cleveland, at Denver, at Phoenix, you get the head-to-head with Jokic again. That's a TNT game. Maybe another preview of the uh, NBA Finals. I want to see. I'm going to pay attention to that game. because I think that, yeah. yeah, that's going to be a real benchmark on where I really think the team is. Because, yeah, 10 straight wins is nice, but mm-hmm. we don't need to judge them anymore. Let's just judge them until we get to the postseason. Yeah, no, th- this team is the best team that they've had since 2008 or, if you know, like 2010, 9, like depending on when Garnett got hurt. But, like, it's the best team since that run. And... And I don't just say that, like, casually. Like, they've had some really, really good teams. They've had teams that probably could have and should have won the whole thing. Like, it's so easy to forget. Like, ah, yeah, like, Brogdon wasn't that good or, like, Smart wasn't that good or whatever. Like, they had some really good teams. This is the best one. And if they can just stay healthy, like, as simple as that is, and if, you know, Chris Stapps Porzingis is available to you every game in the playoffs, then you're going to be in great shape. I also really think Missoula has been benefited this year by, like, a smaller bench. I think, especially for a young coach, it can be tough when you have so many guys that need minutes and you're trying to manage it all. Like, one of my criticisms of Missoula last year was there was multiple times where Derek White had an incredible game and then didn't even play in the fourth quarter. He was, like, one of your best players through three quarters and then was pinned to the bench in the fourth. And then Missoula's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that guy. Like, I'm sorry, what? So he had some weird kind of rotations at times last year, whereas this year it's pretty clear. You have the best starting five in the NBA, and then you have Horford, and you can probably go to Pritchard coming off the bench. And then depending on where you want to go from there, maybe Hauser gets a minute. Yeah, you have have at least a solidified eight. It's just that nine and ten when you have games like this that you really have to intertwine with, whether it's Fournette or whoever that may be. Yeah, once you're up 30, go ahead play everybody. Play the ball boy for all I care. But in the playoff series, like a hard Yeah, the playoffs, it shouldn't be more than eight. Right. And that eighth guy should maybe get like 10 minutes or tops. And use him, depending on the matchup, maybe he's in there to, you know, foul Giannis or maybe he's in there just try to pop a couple threes like Hauser or whatever, but they're in a, they're in a great spot. And when you look at the Eastern conference, I kind of thought it was going to be tougher. And part of it is the, the bucks haven't really fully gelled. And now they have doc rivers, although they are on a four game winning streak. So not going to rule them out just yet, but Cleveland seems like they're, they're good, but I don't know if they are there yet for that. And then everybody else like, you know, Joel Embiid's hurt. Uh, Julius Randle's hurt. 
The Pacers are fun, but they play they don't play a lick of defense. So the Celtics really should not about cruise, but I mean they should dominate in the East. And then it's about is it going to be Denver? Like does Denver escape the West or do, do one of those young teams like Minnesota or Oklahoma City knock them off? Or does Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers finally have a postseason run in them? George, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard's a great one-two punch. They dominated the Celtics when they played them. Uh, I, you can't trust was. Paul George and James Harden <laughs> in the playoffs, though. Uh, well, no, you can't trust James Harden. But if he's like your third or fourth guy, I wonder if they're going to be all right. Because remember, even last year in the series against the Sixers, he had the one game where he was awesome. But you're like, that's all you're going to get. You're, that's all you're going to get, and he's going to have some bad games. But if he's your clear-cut third guy, I don't know. We'll see. I, I just wonder if uh, – because I'm not fully sold on the Thunder because their team is so young. Yeah, they're too they're too young. They haven't had the yeah. the bitterness of a playoff defeat. No, like they need a couple hard-fought series, and you kind of go from there. They're, they're way ahead of schedule and, and good for them. I don't think the Suns are going to be able to put it together. They've been way too – uh, inconsistent this year. I'm I'm leaning on Denver and Boston in the finals. Yeah, like I, I don't see I don't like. see I don't see Minnesota like they're kind of on the same lengths as yeah. Oklahoma City. Right, I would say. Yeah, right. Like you know, Carl Anthony Towns. They've been they, they've got guys that have been in the league longer. And Anthony Edwards has sort of made another step up. He's great. You got Rudy Gobert, kind of a unique player in the in the league. So you have the the twin towers. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it's going to be them either. Like I feel like it's. It's Denver. You know, if Jokic and Murray are healthy and if Tatum Brown and, and uh, Porzingis are healthy, that's probably what you're looking at. All right, that game has gone final 138-110. to 110. <laughs> Celtics have now won 10 straight games. They're 47-12, and 12, and they improved to 28-3 and three at home. So Celtics are absolutely rolling. Like I said, they'll be back in action against Steph Curry and the Warriors on Sunday. Bruins are in action tomorrow. Of course, you have Red Sox games every freaking day, so you can always tune into a to a Red Sox game. That'll do it for us on this full throttle Friday. Joe Braverman, great job producing for Stiz. You're gonna be in a bunch this month as well. Absolutely, I'll see you Monday. All right, very good. Everybody have a great uh, Friday night, a great weekend, and we will talk to you guys Monday at six.